Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Um, yeah, so we're going to be reading out of 1 Samuel 30 this morning, 1 through 19. If you have your biblical text with you, that's a phone, that's a Bible, that's anything that has the Bible in it or on it, I would love for you to get that out, and we're going to read through it. And Jeff said you read through the, uh, the ESV, so I'm excited to bring the ESV to you. I think the ESV is going to be up here on the screen, and I'm going to read it for you. But let's stand as the Word of God is read in our sanctuary. Here's 1 Samuel 30. 1 through 19. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag, and they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire. Their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. And David's two wives had also been taken captive, a Hinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, and for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of uh, Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall securely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with them and they came to the brook of Bezor where those who were but left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. They found, you know it, you know this was coming. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad all over the land eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. You know I will. I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of you don't know this story about David. It probably didn't tick the top five stories you've ever heard about David. 
Okay, we like to focus on David. I mean, David and Goliath. Everyone's got that one. That's number one. If that's not number one in your book, come see me. It's the coolest story ever. Let's talk about it. And, and then you know David's greatest faults, right? You know Bathsheba. You know what he did. Yeah. Maybe you know about the friendship he had with Jonathan. Maybe you knew about him and Saul. You've got all these top five stories about David. And this story about Ziklag doesn't tick that box of the top five. Anyone in here, show of hands, top five. That was a top five story of David that you knew of. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Wow. And yet this story tells us everything we need to know about Jesus. It tells us everything we need to know about how you go about pursuing what God has for you in your life. It tells you everything you need to know about rescuing people along the way. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. If you don't get excited about this, I can't help you. I can't. We work and live in Cairo, Egypt. So Egyptians are super, super near and dear to my heart. And God has a place for Egyptians in his kingdom. And if you don't know that, read the story again. Because David's pursuing everything that was taken from him, and yet he stops for his greatest enemy. He stops for a person that was literally born David's enemy because he's an Egyptian. He stops for a slave who was an enemy of his. He stops for an individual who admits freely that he took part in burning David's city to the ground. David stops everything. Did my microphone just get really loud? Maybe, or maybe it's just me yelling. Either one is <laughs> believable, certainly. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, since this is the second time I'm here with you, and I can just bring fire now. I'm just going to bring it. When's the last time you shared a testimony with someone? Amen. Last week, maybe. Anyone beat last week? We got one in the back can beat last week. How long ago? Yes, Friday. Awesome. Can anyone get earlier or sooner, closer than Friday? So Friday, we're here on Sunday morning. On Friday was the last person, any, the last time any person in this sanctuary shared their testimony with someone. That, that's heavy. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? You want to know how powerful your testimony is? You got to read Revelation 12:11. It's simple. You don't have to flip there. I'll tell you what it is. We overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's all you need. That's all you need in this world. The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony will overcome the accuser, not just in your life, but it will meet that person where they are, wherever they are in their walk through this world, and you can impact them for the kingdom, for the glory of God. Amen? All you need is the blood of the lamb. Was that given? Say yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. 
Was that given? Say yes. yes. There it is. And the word of your testimony. And some of you are like, oh my goodness. I haven't even thought of my testimony in years. If that's you in here, that's okay. This is not a place for judgment. It's a place for encouragement. This is not a place where you get to feel bad about yourself. It's a place where you get encouraged to go out and make sure that you connect with the first person you meet at the restaurant today or at the hunting lodge tonight as you are preparing your guns. Just say, hey, have I shared my testimony with you? Okay, they'll be forced to listen. And you're you're thinking, why would you read 19 verses and then launch into this diatribe about testimonies? And I'm going to tell you, there's two people in this story that have some of the greatest testimonies you will ever find in the Bible. David and this Egyptian slave. David and this Egyptian slave. David practiced prayer all the time. And I don't know about you men, maybe I'll speak to you in here, but I know that if my home was burned to the ground by someone and my wife and two kids were taken by that same person that just committed arson against me and took my kids and my wife from me, I don't know if I would have the patience that David had to inquire of the Lord first before I just went chasing down these people and executing final judgment on their lives. You know that's right. You know the last thing on our minds would probably be, you know what, chief priest, give me the ephod. I'd like to put that on and inquire of God what I should do. Oh, I know what I should do. I know what I should do. I should do everything in my power, my five foot ten power, to go out and chase down that person, that enemy, who took everything that means something to me. Everything. They did everything to me, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to dispatch them. I love the word dispatch. It sounds so fancy, but it means death. I'm going to dispatch this person faster than you've ever seen. I'm going to run and run and run and run. And when I get there, I'm going to execute permanent justice on this person. But David David shows us something completely different. Not only did he have that fire of rage burning inside him, he had a threat against his life by all of his men. 600 military warriors are threatening to stone David. David's response, strengthen myself before God. That's David's response. What an incredible testimony to us of what we should do. When we're faced with the greatest trial in our life, when we're faced with enemies, when we're accused by the enemy who seeks to destroy us, what do we do? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. How do you know that? Because David did it and look what happened. The Bible tells you true things. It's so simple. Truth tells truth. 
This is what you do. Strengthen yourself in the Lord and you will recover all. Strengthen yourself in the Lord and you'll have a testimony to save others along the way. What a powerful, powerful story in David. And so David, after strengthening himself in the Lord, chased them down, cut them up into a thousand pieces and threw those pieces into a mountain where lava flowed for thousands of years. No! That's what I want to happen! But that's not God's plan. God's plan was way better. Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. He knows what's going to happen. Not only, David, have you not lost anything, really, because I'm going to make sure you get it all back. But David, you're actually going to save someone along the way. Let's dig further into it. In verse 8, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. See, that's the difference here. David would have pursued the Amalekites with his own strength. We know it. Everyone in here knows it. You would have done this same thing. You would have pursued the Amalekites with your own strength and you would recover, I don't know, maybe half. Maybe you would have defeated them but, but failed just a little bit. Maybe some of what was taken from you would have been destroyed in the process. Maybe you would have lost one of your kids. All because you've got vengeance that you need to carry out. But not David. David was promised by God. Surely you will overtake them and recover all. And this promise gave him confidence to do something radical. Do something transcendent. Do something that wrecks, completely wrecks the narrative that the world wants to tell you. It wrecks it. Here's the wreckage. Ready? He finds an Egyptian in the wilderness and stops everything. You have the confidence to stop everything as you're chasing down whatever it is, promotions at work, whether, whether you're in a starter home and you're chasing down that second home, that third home, whether you're chasing down that cabin purchase. I'm not telling you it's wrong. Do you have the confidence as you're pursuing those goals to stop and save one person? Do you have that confidence in you? Do you have the confidence that only God can provide? I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to make this happen. And now because you have the confidence, you can say, you know what? I'm going to stop for just a little bit and I'm going to focus my attention on these people. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to show this person what it means to love your enemies. I'm going to show what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. They all stop for one Egyptian. Can you imagine that? David sought the Lord first and in doing so was given the confidence to pursue, knowing that his pursuit would recapture everything that was taken. Inquiring of God first gives us that freedom to stop for people along the way. I wish I could tell you that that's like the coolest part of this story. There's, there's so much more. Let's go further. Here it is. Ready? David shares with the Egyptian food. And not just any food. We're not talking about just bread or just water 
We're not talking about just the basics, the staples, the leftovers, the dregs. He's not sharing with him mediocre, subpar, trash food. No, he's not. He's sharing cakes of raisins, figs. This is not just military rations. David goes to his own food. These, these are rations that were baked for him by his wives. His wives, before David went out to battle other people, baked these loaves for David, baked these cakes for David. They were given to him by the same wives that this Egyptian slave captured from him. Wow. And then he takes this food and he gives it to the Egyptian. And miraculously, the Egyptian comes to strength. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you've been lost in the wilderness. It seems like something that would be fairly common around here. <laughs> Me, a city boy, I go out here, I'm, I'm dead in three days. Easy. It, it's not going to even take that long. But this Egyptian was left by his slave master out in the wilderness for three days because he took ill. His slave master didn't leave him water. His slave master didn't leave him food. His slave master didn't give him medicine. His slave master didn't promise him that he would come back for him. It was done. You're worthless to me. I don't need you anymore. I've already accomplished what I need, regardless if it was on your back that I did it. I'm going to have my spoils. You're going to die in the wilderness. That's what our enemy does. That's what Satan does does to our lives. That is what our enemy does. He will leave you out in the wilderness. He will leave you to die because he doesn't care about you at all. He just cares about his own ambitions. But not Jesus. Jesus stops the whole show. Jesus stops the whole show. Everything. For you. In whatever wilderness you were in, whatever place you were in where you had been left by the enemy, by the accuser, by the person that hates you the most, which is the devil, where you were left, Jesus finds you. And not only does he find you, but he gives you kingly food. I'm spitting up here. I'm so excited. He gives you kingly food not just the basics not just you know crusty bread not just water he gives you his blood he gives you his body he gives you what was made and provided for you freely from his gift from the father in heaven how amazing is that that david shows us this how is this not a top five story i promise you it's a top five story from this point forward in your lives <laughs> if you forget this, I have not done my job. I've not danced up here enough. I love this. After being left to die in the field by his slave master, after falling sick, after stealing David's wives, after burning David's town, David was well within his rights to dispatch him. He was well within his rights. This guy is his enemy from birth. Egyptians, Hebrews, they don't go together. David understands this, and yet 400 men and David stop for someone who could be his greatest enemy. And David didn't demand this Egyptian serve him. 
David didn't kill him. David didn't enslave him. David didn't put the fear of God in him. David simply asked the Egyptian, do you want to follow me? Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to help? You need a gospel message? message? That's the gospel message. You want to help? You want to follow me? You want to be a part of something? That's the gospel message. And the Egyptian says, swear to me, swear to me that you will neither kill me nor return me to the hands of my master, the slave owner, and I will do everything for you. Isn't that our lives? Isn't that what Jesus promises us? Jesus says, I will never let you go. I will never forsake you. I will always love you. I will do everything for you. I will never return you to your former life. In me, you have salvation from now until the end of your days. And then you get to join me. And oh, what a glorious day that'll be. That's what Jesus does. That's what David shows us in this story. That's what enemies don't expect for you to love them with the love that Jesus has. This lady in the back who shared her testimony on Friday. That is what David does here. Shares the testimony of the goodness of God. So here are your testimonies. God didn't need this Egyptian. I I tell people all the time, God didn't need Egypt. He just chose Egypt to carry out everything in his word. He chose Egypt to send his son in Matthew 2 to protect him from Herod. He could have chosen any other country. He chose Egypt. He could have chosen any other country to provide for Abraham during the famine. Sorry, not Abraham, excuse me. Jacob during the famine. But he chose Egypt. God chooses Egypt to impact the world for him. Why do you think my wife and I are there? God chooses Egypt to impact the world for him. Egypt is a get ready zone. Oh, you better get ready. It's coming. He's going to do something transcendent. He's going to wreck the whole narrative of the world. And he does it in Egypt. Why do I know this? Because he's done it before. And God kind of likes to do those things all the time. I think I shared in June, if you think Egyptians are the Nazis of the Bible, you're wrong. If I didn't share that, well, that's a, that'll wreck your world too. They're not the Nazis of the Bible. They're us of the Bible. This Egyptian was every bit David's enemy. Not only was he Egyptian, but he had fully participated in sacking Ziklag. And yet, David exercised mercy and grace. And oh, what a testimony that comes from choosing the exercise of mercy and grace. Oh, what a testimony comes when we choose to share the goodness of God with others. Especially those who do not know him. Oh, what a testimony. David shares his food. And guess what happens? This man was healed. Testimony, testimony, testimony. That is a beautiful testimony. That's what kingly food does. That's what this food we take a communion does. 
David had an impactful, incredible testimony through this. David had the authority of God to pursue everything that was taken from him, and yet he stopped for this one man, this slave, this enemy. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. And David's got lots of them. David's been through it. David's got testimony after testimony after testimony of how God has provided and preserved his life. Can you imagine the testimony of this Egyptian? If you haven't read the Bible yet for testimonies, start today. Read the Bible for testimonies. Can you imagine the testimony of this Egyptian? Here's here's how this goes. (laughs) I imagine him around a campfire, probably in the wilderness, getting ready for hunting season. And he starts off with, guys, I've got this story. And it's crazy. It's a game changer. Okay, so listen, my slave master, the Amalekite, you know, he left me to die. And then 400 soldiers in bright military arraignment with David riding at the front of them stops for me. And I'm like, guys, I'm dead. I know I'm dead. They're going to kill me. I know it's going to happen. They're going to kill me. They're going to chop off my head. This is what David does. I've heard stories of David. This is what happens. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. How'd you get away? How'd you get away? How'd you do it? And this guy's like, you won't believe it. David takes food that his wife made for him and gives it to me and my illness left me my strength came back and then you won't believe this he asked me if I wanted to join him he asked me if I wanted to be a part that if he asked me if he could adopt me in to his army And I just, I just think dead silence around that campfire. There's no more jokes. There's no more rough play. There's no more boys being boys. It is just this, the weightiness of the testimony of this one Egyptian because of what David did for him. That weightiness rests And that's when the Holy Spirit comes in. And that one testimony turns into ten. And if you don't believe me that God is providing this testimony for the Egyptian, I want to point out something in Scripture that I think is absolutely phenomenal. We know that all the Amalekites are completely decimated, killed, But then we hear this little tidbit. God doesn't have to include this tidbit, but he does. He doesn't have to end this story of the decimation with, well, there were were how many men escaped? 400? 400, this adjective, young men who were by the camels escaped. Well, where were the Amalekites during this story? Do you remember where the Amalekites were when, when David and his army attacked them? Do you remember where the Amalekites were? They were, they were reveling. They were dancing. They were drunk. They were, they were celebrating. They've taken all of these goods. 
All the Amalekites are partying. Who do you think isn't partying? They're slaves. And who are their slaves? Probably Egyptians. There's 400 Egyptians by the camels. They're not slaughtered. God preserves their lives. God preserves their lives. Trust me, in the word, it says there's a promise in the Old Testament that the Amalekites will be completely destroyed, that they will be rubbed off the face of the earth. God has his vengeance on the Amalekites. So I know they're not 400 Amalekites that escape. These are young men. The only other time when young, an adjective, is used in this story is when the Egyptian is introduced. A young Egyptian slave. 400 young Egyptian men. I would stake everything I have on it. Escape on camel. Guess what person is primed to share his testimony with 400 Egyptians? Oh man. Isaiah 55. His ways are higher. You couldn't plan it. You couldn't come close to this. Our movie would be much shorter. Well, and this happened, and then David went out and slaughtered everyone. End. Scene. But not God. God's story was just beginning in this Egyptian slave who was freed. So I've got this challenge for you. If you have not, I have no idea where we are with time. Pastor, are we good? You don't care. It's like, let's do it. Yeah, I love it. I, I love your pastor. Jeff, I, I think if I lived up here, Jeff and I would be very close friends. I'd just be his city friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be at the camp, like, fixing food while he's out hunting food. Yeah, one of those kind of things. Because um, I, I touched a gun once. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> we won't go there. Um, other than the, the lady in the back who shared on Friday and other than the, the other individual who shared it last week, if you have not shared your testimony of how God rescued you from the wilderness, don't let today end without sharing that testimony. If you don't have a testimony and if you're here just seeking, there are several individuals in this church right now, who would love to talk you through what it means to choose Jesus. So there's that two-part challenge. If you don't have a testimony and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, Pastor Jeff already said, we, we don't have a time limit. Yala. We say yala in Egypt, it means come on. But we don't say come on like this, we say come on like this. Say, yalla, yalla. If, if you've got a testimony and haven't shared it in a long time, share it. Tell your spouse what God's done for you. Call your mom and dad and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Talk to your, your sons and daughters and tell them what Jesus has done for you. And maybe it's not that big testimony of how I came to salvation. Maybe it's a smaller testimony like how I saw this happen. Maybe your testimony is um, I had open heart surgery when I was 15. 
I was already nine years past due having another heart surgery. And the cardiologist just comes out of the back room and says, well, Norris, I don't know what to tell you. But, uh, yeah, you, you don't have any heart, heart problems anymore. I tried to do my best UP accent. I'm sorry. My dad was from here. It's okay. It's, I'm, I'm kind of grafted in. I'm adopted. Okay. Maybe that's the testimony that you share. Maybe it's just you've seen healing this week. Maybe it's you were literally able to pay the bills this week. And you had no idea if you were going to be able to do it. Maybe you can heat your home this week. That's your testimony. Don't let the sun go down before you share it with someone, especially if you go out to dinner today. Because there's a bunch of waiters and waitresses that would love to be invited to pray with you at your table. I like to close with this. We don't do anything that you can't do. There is no special quality about us. There is no special training that we've done. There is no special anything about us. We just have a desire to make sure that no one who crosses our path is not impacted by the word of God and the power of our testimony. That's it. My wife shared just a bit. I want to share just a little more. And then I'll close. Um, in June, I have got a, I've got a testimony. June, I spoke to you guys. We were between 20 and 30% of our funding. If you asked me the likelihood that we would make it to 95%, I would tell you slim to none. He's brought us, this is my 23rd church since June. And he has provided all along the way. God is so good. And we are 5% away from reaching that ultimate goal. And if you've never given to ministries and missions before, I would challenge you simply to try God. Malachi 3, 10 and 11. I love what God says in his word. He gets his best. This is, this is my imagination running amok, but this is God donning his best Clint Eastwood look. I don't look like Clint Eastwood. I'm five foot 10. Okay. But God made Clint Eastwood, so I'm sure he could impersonate him fairly well. So I imagine God taking on the Clint Eastwood look and God says, try me. Try me and watch what happens. This is Malachi 3, 11 and 10. Sorry, 10 and 11. Wow, that was a little Arabic getting in there. Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Try me and see if I will not pour out spiritual anointing and blessing on you, on you and your family. Try me. Bring it all into the storehouses and watch what I will do. That's our God. He's the God who made Clint Eastwood. If you need, if you need a little bit of, you know, how, how, do I, how do I envision God? He made Clint Eastwood. Try him. Invest in what he's doing in your town, in your community, in this region, state, country. And then if you want to get a little crazy, just a little, talk to us about how you could give to what we're doing.
We're looking for $300 a month, and then we're done. If that's something that God places on your heart and you're ready to respond, we would love to talk to you after the service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage. We know right now that if we set our minds on you, that you will provide opportunities for us to bring glory to your name because that's what you do. And we know that when we step out those doors and even before when we step out those doors, your word says that Jesus encountered people in the synagogue who were demon-possessed. We know that this building is not just a safe house, but Lord, we can encounter the enemy right here in our midst. But we've got someone far greater in our midst than the enemy. We know in your word, in Matthew 18, that where two or three are gathered, you are there with them. Lord, we're more than two or three. Praise God. We welcome you here. Strengthen us, embolden us, lead us forward that the enemy, though he may come against me, though he may come to try to accuse me, though he may come to shame me, though he may come to silence me, I will not be silenced because the rocks will cry out if I am silent and I'm not going to let that rock speak for me. Father God, we come before you today thanking you for the testimonies that you have given to each individual in this congregation. Lord, anoint their lips, speak through them that they may know when, where, and to whom they should share their testimony. Oh, Father God, nothing can stand against us. No enemy formed against us shall remain because we have the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of our salvation in Christ. We love you, Jesus. It is your name we pray. Amen.